This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. All right, I'm going to ask you to turn to Habakkuk 2. And really, I'm going to read the uh, same passage we read this morning. Uh, just uh, also a quick reminder, we, we have a uh, business meeting tonight. So, uh, hope you stay for that. Glad everybody made it. Everybody here made it back. Brave the heat. It's hot. I don't really watch the news. I see it sometimes when I'm on break at work and uh, the weather, you know. And it seems like for the last week or two they have uh, said the triple digits for the last another day or two, and then we'll be out of them for a while until next year. But they've been saying that for a while now, and it still keeps, still keeps going. Uh, it's hot. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word here. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for bringing us back here tonight, allowing us to gather once again, study Your Word, sing, Lord, worship You. Please uh, enable us tonight to glean from Your Word what You would have us to get here. I ask that You enable me to speak, grant that Your message be delivered here, and give us all ears to hear what You are saying to Your people in this hour. We do pray for these families that have been mentioned, Stevens and the Matthews, Lord, uh, Again, just asking for your, your presence, your intervention, your comfort, strength, Lord, for those who need it um, in such difficult times. And Lord, for salvation, uh, for this one uh, that needs to know you. And of course, there are many, many others that uh, we all know as well need to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Lord, we ask for Your wisdom in faithfully um, and accurately presenting the Gospel, living it before the world, before family members. And just pray that You use us, uh, Lord, uh, to point others to Christ, to bring glory and honor and praise to Your name. Again, we do thank You and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to uh, just read down through verse 4 again. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. 
Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen. Well, as we mentioned this morning, we, we're, we're in the midst of a dialogue here. It's an interesting, uh, interesting book, uh, unique in that sense. It's a, actually the, the prophetic vision given to uh, Habakkuk is in the form of a dialogue between himself and Yahweh, the Lord. And we saw again this morning that it, it began with complaints, uh, Habakkuk going before the Lord, complaining about corruption in Israel, essentially asking the Lord, why aren't you doing something? Uh, there's so much trouble in the land. And God responded and uh, saying, I am doing something, and, and gave Habakkuk some insight into uh, what God was doing in regard to the nations. He, he, he was indeed uh, dealing with the wickedness of Israel, but not in the way that Habakkuk uh, may have thought. Uh, he was probably uh, praying for, expecting revival, uh, wanting uh, another king like Josiah raised up and, and a return to uh, God's Word, a return to the worship of the true God. But that's not the kind of answer he got. God, God told him, I, 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 am, I am at work. I'm doing a work in your day that you won't believe, though someone declares it to you and went on to describe how he's raising up Chaldeans to destroy the nation of Israel, destroy the land, and carry them off into captivity. So there was indeed um, judgment on the way for the corruption in Israel. And then we saw again how Habakkuk comes back to the Lord again with complaints and kind of modifies his original question, rewords it, essentially this time saying, how can you allow the treacherous to devour those more righteous than they? So, first of all, he's just wondering how God can permit evil in the land, in the land of Israel is what he's referring to originally. And then, after the Lord comes back with the answer, well, I am going to judge, but it's going to be through another nation, a wicked nation going to bring judgment on Israel. Then Habakkuk wants to know, Lord, how can you do that? How can, how can you tolerate, how can you look upon, watch as the wicked devour or swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So now he's concerned about... Uh, not only corruption in his culture and his society, but the prosperity of the enemy. God has revealed to him that uh, their enemy will come in and overtake the land and carry them off into captivity. This will be the end of their society uh, as they know it. This will be the end of, of everything that, uh, you know, that they are familiar with, that they are comfortable with. In fact, they're going to be literally... Uh, many of them taken to a foreign land where they will live in captivity. And so Habakkuk is, is again complaining, how can, how can this be? How can you allow this to happen? And then in verse 17 of chapter 1, how long, Lord, will you allow this to go on? And this morning we talked about Habakkuk's own musing as he prepares to uh, Await the Lord's answer. He has raised questions, received answer, raised more questions, 
or complaints, and now awaits a second time a word from the Lord. And he set himself. He was determined to hear from God concerning these matters. As we said this morning, determined to get God's perspective on things. This should be uh, the desire and the goal of every Christian. Because we're no different than Habakkuk. Things go on in our lives every day that we don't understand. And oftentimes, we just don't have the right perspective. Um, obviously, we're looking at things from a human perspective. And we need to do what he did, seek the Lord in these matters and try to get God's perspective on things and why things are happening the way they are. And so now, he says in verse 1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Uh, we, we talked again about that this morning, about his lifting his attention up toward God and watch to see what he will say. He's determined to hear from God on these matters, matters and determined to, I think, what is suggested here, determined to submit to God's will. That seems to be implied to me in verse 1, and chapter 3 would seem to bear that out because that's where he winds up. I will stand my watch, set myself on the rampart, watch to see what he will say, that is what God will say, and what I will answer when I am corrected. When God speaks, when he, when he corrects me uh, concerning my view of things, Habakkuk says, I will set myself and watch to see how I will answer. That is, I will give attention to how I will answer, how I will respond to God's revelation. So again, this morning we had we talked about His determination, uh, determination, revelation, and application. He's determined to know God, to hear from God, to know God's will, to line up with God's will. He's determined to hear, uh, receive revelation from God. That is, uh, God revealing to him uh, his will or aspects of his will, giving him insight concerning his will, and he's determined to apply it to his life. He's giving attention to how he himself will answer God's answer. And then God speaks again in chapter 2. And we're not going to cover much of this tonight. I just want to, actually, we're just going to barely get started on it. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Now, this is what Habakkuk has been awaiting. Revelation, more revelation from God. That's the idea behind the word uh, vision. It's uh, commonly used throughout the Old Testament. It's the idea of God uh, communicating something to His people um, Sometimes uh, actually in a a visual uh, experience of some sort. When Isaiah, for example, in Isaiah six, saw the Lord high and lifted up. It's hard to discern there that the Scripture calls it a, a a vision. So so it's kind of hard to discern was something uh, was he ushered into something that's happening. Isaiah that is, so that uh, he, he's more or less brought up into the throne room of God, or is he just given a visual of those things? Uh, 
Hard to say. Hard to say a lot of times exactly what's taking place when God is speaking to His prophets. But at any rate, uh, it's always God communicating in some way, visually, audibly, communicating in some way His will to His people, to His man, which will take it to His, to his people. So the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end, uh, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. So, here's, here's the revelation. The Word of God. God's will made known. And he instructs Habakkuk to write it, write it down, like he does uh, later with, uh, with John in the Apocalypse. Write it down. Write the vision. Um, Interesting to me that God would put His Word in writing. We have, and, and as we say often, infallible, inerrant Word of God written down, handed down through the ages, a reliable Revelation from God, um, and and we all know, for example, what happens when you uh, simply try to relate something verbally. Uh, usually, the message gets kind of messed up, right? But but putting it down on paper is a more fixed way of uh, of preserving it, maintaining it. God wants His people to know. His will. Now, this this is grace. We we look at Habakkuk's complaint and we look at the Lord's answer, and it all may seem very hard. Read the book of Jeremiah, and you think about all the destruction. You know, Jeremiah is constantly um, foretelling, prophesying concerning the people and the land. He's a, a in fact a contemporary of Habakkuk. And it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. We can imagine how hard it would be for the people at, in that day to receive this revelation from God. But the fact that God reveals it at all is a grace. God wants His people to gain His perspective, to know and understand His will. Now, He doesn't let us in on everything. He, when He answered... Habakkuk in chapter 1, and when he answers Habakkuk here, he, he doesn't just go through systematically. Now, Habakkuk, here's why I have allowed uh, evil and corruption, and, and this is exactly how it all works out for your good and my glory. He, he doesn't explain all of that fully. But he does let us know that he's in control of it, and that ultimately he will work all things, or He is working all things, uh, ultimately for our good and for His glory. Write the vision and make it plain. Um, Another quote from Matthew Henry here that I thought was good. Those who are employed in preaching the Word of God should study plainness as much as may be, 
so as to make themselves intelligible to the meanest capacities. The things of our everlasting peace, which God has written to us, are made plain. They are all plain to him that understands, Proverbs 8 9, and they are published with authority. God himself has prefixed his uh, imprimatur to them. He has said, make them plain so that His will is known, so that uh, we can, as we go through this world, as we face trials, temptations, hardships, so that we can, at least to some degree, have God's perspective. Verse 3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. God's Word is sure. God's Word is sure. It's, it's meant to be understood and it's, it's reliable. It's sure. It can be trusted. And again, uh, well, I would say this is the message. This is, again, one of those things. You would say this is the message of the whole Bible, right? That we should trust God. That we should trust His Word. This is the focus uh, as well here in Habakkuk, uh, specifically. In, in, in all of these hard prophecies, the, the, uh, the corruption of their culture, and then the uh, invasion uh, of a military enemy. The message is God is sovereign. God's in control. Trust God. Things may not be going the way that you would like, the way that I would like. Things may not be happening on our time schedule, but they are hap- happening according to God's own purpose. The vision is yet for an appointed time uh, he's saying it's coming in my time, not your time, but in my time. And it's reliable. At the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. Um, a while ago when I was sitting in on the youth meeting, uh, Zachary mentioned a passage and I want to I wanna look at here. In First Peter chapter 1. And you could pull many out to use as this kind of example, but here's one. First Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to have to jump in the middle of a, of a thought here. Uh, verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, one, one reason Habakkuk is so relevant for our day is because we still look around and see trouble and corruption, injustice, perversion of the law, and so forth. We still face trials. We still face persecutions. The church does. Well, they were facing uh, these same kind of problems in Peter's day as well. So he says, uh, right now, if need be, um, you are grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's some more insight on God's perspective. In other words, 
why things are happening and what the ultimate goal is. Now, again, there's, there's not uh, a lot of specificity on how exactly these things play out. How, how do these particular trials, I mean, it's easy to say in general that, that uh, uh, tribulation produces endurance. Right? But when you're going through some particular tribulation, <laughs> you, might, you might be thinking, you know what, this is killing me, and I'm not seeing how I'm gaining here. And yet we have God's Word that these things don't happen by happenstance. They are indeed working out for our good and to His praise. He's perfecting our faith, maturing it, trying it, proving the genuineness of it through tests, through the fire, uh, as the metaphor used there. Uh, and, that it, again, that it may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, so that He is glorified, ultimately, um, in the final day. It's God's perspective. Now, He goes on. Verse 8, 1 Peter 1, 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So he's talking about Christ, Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. You don't see Him, you have not seen Him, you don't see Him, though now you do not see Him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, that's, that's difficult to explain. Now, sometimes we, we speak of uh, loving people that we haven't met. Uh, I mean, you know, especially as Christians, we say things like, oh, I love everybody. I, I, love, I love the people over in Iraq and the people in Uganda, and I love the people in Israel, and I love the people in New York. And, you know, I love everybody. I have to because I'm a Christian, Right? But there's something more at work here. I mean, P- Peter's is describing genuine affection. This, this would be more akin, in fact, superior to, but, but still, it would be more akin to the love you might have for your, your spouse. Very real relationship. You love, Peter says to the saints, to the believers, you love Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you haven't seen Him, and you, and you do not see Him now, yet believing. And that's the key. How, how do you love Him whom, whom you've not seen? How do you love Him whom you don't see now? It's by faith. Because you believe God's Word. God has given revelation concerning uh, Himself, concerning His will. He has made known to us through His Word, through His revelation, that He so loved the world or loved the world in this manner that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. He has testified to us in His Word, in His revelation, 
that this is the only way to receive remission of sins and eternal life. Faith in Jesus Christ. He has testified in His Word, in His revelation that He has given and that He has commanded be written and made plain for us. He's testified concerning our condition, our situation. That we're born rebels. That we're alienated from God in our natural state. And therefore, we're in need of reconciliation to God. And again, He has testified that the only means of reconciliation to God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, how do we know any of that to be true? That's, that's a question that the world asks all the time. You know, they look at us and they say, you know what, you, you Christians, you have your book. The Muslims have their book. The Mormons have their book. Hindus have their book. How do you know that you're really right. That's a, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. But the answer is, it's God has made it known to us. He's revealed it to us. This is indeed His Word. This is God's own testimony concerning Himself and His will. And so we love the Lord Jesus Christ because we believe what God has said about Him in His Word. Now, we, we could go a lot deeper into that and say, why, why do we believe? Well, it's, it's the result of God working in us by the power of His Spirit. It's the result of regeneration. It's, it's a combination then, isn't it, of having the, the Word written and the operation of the Spirit of God within us illuminating the truth of the Word making it alive to us, making it real to us. It's God's revelation. It's written for us to know so that we might know Him, so that we might know His will. It's given to us in a manner that is, is, is plain. The truth is, in one sense, um, simple. And all, now, that's just one aspect, but everything else that the Scripture talks about, for example, eternal life, judgment day, we could say the same thing. How, how do we know that all of those things are real? By faith. God has revealed it to us in His Word. His Word is sure. And so just like, just like Habakkuk was awaiting God to do something in His day, now here we are awaiting the second return of Christ, awaiting the final judgment, awaiting the time when we'll enter into eternal glory. And it's coming because God's Word is sure. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. So the Lord is saying it's, it's, it's sure, trust me. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Back at 2.4, behold the proud. Now, he gives a contrast between the proud and, and uh, probably has specifically in mind the, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans here. 
He goes into it. Uh, a fact where, in fact, where we're headed, he's going into a description of the judgment that will be coming upon them. But he gives a contrast here. <clears throat> Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. And now, that could be, again, applicable to uh, the people of Israel who were so corrupt. It's applicable to Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans. Their, their hearts not upright in them, therefore they're engaged in all manner of wickedness and ungodliness. But the just, and here's the contrast, that's the proud, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. That is, you receive God's revelation and you believe it. Bottom line is you, you trust God. God is, uh, is, uh, is asking here, for lack of a better term, I mean, of course, it's, it's not a suggestion. I mean, he's, he's saying it's essential. But he, he's asking Habakkuk to trust Him. Trust Him. The wicked are proud. Their heart's not upright. But the just... Habakkuk, which is you, Habakkuk, and you, every other believer, the just shall live by his faith. So you don't comprehend everything, and everything doesn't have to work out exactly like we'd like it to for our comfort. We just trust trust God. And remember here, he, he's Habakkuk's on the verge of of, of losing everything. Familiar to him. His uh, people, his nation is about to be destroyed, culture wiped out, and God is telling him, Habakkuk, trust me. Trust me. The just shall live by faith. We love the Lord, whom we have not seen, and whom we do not see. Why? Because we are believing on Him. It's by faith. It's trusting God's Word. And having not seen, you love. Though you do not see Him yet, believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And interestingly enough, again, as we mentioned this morning, that's, that's where Habakkuk's headed. He, he comes to the point after this dialogue with God to where he essentially says, I don't need anything else but you. No crops in the field, no cattle in the stalls. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Here Peter says, you suffer persecution in this world. You're grieved by various trials. But you know what? You love Jesus, and because of that, in, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the persecution, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Literally, that's glorified joy. You, re you rejoice in the midst of all this. Does that sound familiar? Because we talked about that in Hebrews 10. They, they suffered the loss of their own goods. 
and rejoiced in the midst of it as, as they uh, ministered to those in need. In the midst of all the trouble, you would rejoice with joy inexpressible and glorified. Glorified joy. Or if you should say, that's the only thing about us that's already glorified. <laughs> we have a glorified joy as Christians because it's Christ-centered. It's focused on Christ. Christ-focused. And it's faith in Him that enables us to endure in this world. Just shall live by His faith. It's just trusting, trusting God. Being determined to know Him, being determined to hear from Him, being determined to line up with His will. Submit to Him. Trusting Him in all things. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for the joy of knowing You. Knowing Jesus. Thank You for salvation You provided through the work of Christ. Lord, We thank You for the revelation that You've given us in Your Word. We thank You for the illumination You've worked in our hearts by granting us uh, understanding concerning the truth of Your Word. And we thank You for the work of Your Holy Spirit, Lord, enabling us to apply Your Word to our lives. And Lord, may we have the uh, same heart as Habakkuk in this sense, Lord, that we would desire You above all things. To know You, to hear You, and to walk in submission to Your will. And Lord, as we deal with those on the outside, those who um, need, to, need to be saved, need to come to the saving knowledge of Christ, we, we ask that You grant us plainness in sharing the Gospel. Enable us to represent You accurately, to communicate the truth accurately. And grant that we may have a passion for doing those things. Grant, Lord, that uh, we may gain Your perspective on things insofar as You uh, would grant it. Lord, as we, as we study Your Word, as we grow, may our view of things, our view of this world, our view of ourselves, line up more and more with your view. Through it all, may you be honored and glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.